Good morning. If you have brought your Bibles, I ask that you open it to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's okay. It'll be on the screen. I want to read this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with this belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, I love how Paul ends this scripture with prayer, talking about prayer. You know, just last week, my son Ethan was in his end-of-the-season baseball tournament. And my poor son has been struggling, really struggling. He hasn't been on base in the last six games. He's struck out every time. So I really feel for him. Well, he gets up to bat. He gets two strikes on him right off the bat. And he takes his bat, and he kind of puts it between his legs, and he puts his hands up, and he says a prayer. Right in the baseball diamond. Man, I was so proud of him. You see, he's learned from the children's ministry here as well, that God makes the impossible possible. Well, guess what happened? He struck out. (laughs) We don't always get what we ask for, though. But I really was really proud of him. Heck, the first time that I ever prayed out loud was at a Wendy's somewhere in Kentucky in 2005. I was in my first year of attending this church, the JAR, the only church that I have ever been a part of in my entire life. And I volunteered for a mission trip after Hurricane Katrina. So we stopped to eat. There's like ten of us. We grab our food. We all sit down and Pastor Bunch says, Chuck, why don't you bless the food? And I'm like, huh? (laughs) I mean, I wanted to reach over and just wring his scrawny little neck at that point. But I didn't. I bowed my head and I prayed. And that opened up a door to an amazing prayer life just stepping out there. My most intimate moments with God. So in honor of prayer, let's bow our heads now. Let's begin this teaching with prayer. Father God, we just come before you today. 
thankful for being able to worship this morning in song. To worship you and lift you up this morning. Thankful for the opportunity to learn your word. God, open our minds right now. God, give us wisdom to understand. Amen. Mamertinum Prison. That's in Rome. That is where Paul wrote Ephesians. This letter that we've been studying for the last eight weeks. This epistle, it's called to the church in Ephesus. And I can picture him in this prison. Man, things are tough for him. And he knows that things are tough for this church. He's being persecuted. They're being persecuted. And he wants to be able to write something to them. He wants to be able to inspire them. He wants to be able to strengthen them. In Ephesians 6 verse 10, he writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now we're going to get into this whole armor of God here in a bit, but first I want to touch on why we need it. Why is this armor of God so important to us? You know, the best offense is a good defense. And you've got to know what you're up against. So highlight devil's schemes. You know, for some weird reason, and I don't know why, but for some, believing in the devil seems to be an old superstition. It's like an old wise tale. And man, let me tell you something, that kind of thinking will get you in trouble. See, that's one of Satan's greatest victories is to convince us that he doesn't exist. The Bible gives us a clear portrait of who Satan is and how he affects our lives. The Bible defines Satan as an angelic being who fell from his position in heaven and is now completely opposed to God. His very name means adversary, one who opposes. The devil means slanderer. Scripture calls him an accuser, a tempter, a deceiver, the father of lies. And even though he was cast out of heaven, he still seeks to elevate his throne above God. And he counterfeits all that God does, hoping to gain the worship of the world and encourage opposition to God's kingdom. You see, Satan is the ultimate source behind every false call, behind every false world religion. Satan will do everything in his power to oppose God and to oppose those who follow God. So one of the reasons you need the armor of God is resistance indicates progress. Resistance indicates progress. If you are doing something right, you are going to be attacked. That's how it is. That's what Paul means by the devil's schemes. He wants the church to be on alert. He wants the church to know that there's going to be resistance to what God is doing. Satan's going to oppose it. The church in Ephesus, it's gaining strength. It's gaining numbers. 
And Satan's opposed to that. Friends, nothing has changed. The church in the United States is still being ridiculed. But churches around the world, Christians around the world are being arrested. And they're being killed. Because Satan is opposing what God is doing. John 10 verse 10 says the evil one comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Resistance to the church begins with resistance to us because we are the church. You see, if you're making progress in your walk with God, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be opposition to that. When we're making progress in our spiritual lives, Satan tries everything to thwart it. He wants to make you doubt. He wants to make you start questioning the decision that you're making. He wants your knees to weaken. He wants to buckle your legs. He wants to watch you collapse. He doesn't want you to take a stand. He wants you to fall back. He wants you to back down. I mean, some of the greatest, some of our greatest trials happen when we are making some of our biggest decisions for Christ. Satan knows this. He wants us to stop. A lot of times when we stand up and we declare our allegiance to Christ, we get attacked. Times even when we get baptized, Satan does everything in his power to make you shake that decision, to question it, to think about it. Because he knows the impact. He knows what that's going to mean to you, but he also knows what it's going to mean to your family, to the people around you. Resistance indicates progress. Next verse, 11 and 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Highlight powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil. You see, that's another reason that we need the armor of God. Because the deeper battle is spiritual and therefore unseen. The deeper battle is spiritual and therefore unseen. I'm not trying to scare people today. But you need to know the truth. You absolutely need to know this. This is going to be a very, very serious teaching today. There's not going to be a lot of humor in it. It's not because I'm not a funny guy. I think I'm very funny. I just couldn't find places to put humor in a teaching like this. The great Billy Graham said that when he stays at hotels, the first thing he does, he prays over the room and he casts out any spiritual forces of evil that is in that room that's been left there by somebody's actions. So what do I mean by that? You see, there are things that we can do that can invite evil and demonic things 
in our lives. Witchcraft, Ouija boards, ghost hunting, etc. These aren't harmless little activities. These things open doors to guests that you don't want. You know, every single time I teach here on Sunday, and I did it this morning, I pray that anything in this YMCA, anything that is in this building that is not of the Lord, be cast out in the name of Jesus Christ. Because I know there's opposition. I know there's opposition to worshiping with a grateful heart. I know there's opposition to believing or understanding something that is being taught. It's a spiritual battle that's unseen. And when you don't see something, you don't pay attention to it. And then you let your guard down. And that's when Satan pounces all over you. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. This is a Bengal tiger. It's the national animal of India. And the Bengal tiger population has declined 95% in the last century, slowly becoming extinct. So they made these preserves in India to try to protect them and to let them populate. And it's worked because they are increasing in numbers. But one of the problems that's happened, though, as the tiger population has began increasing, the people working to protect them and living there has began decreasing. I think you know what I mean. They're getting eaten by the tigers. Sixty people a year being killed and devoured by these Bengal tigers. And somehow, I have no idea how, but these workers discovered that the tigers only attack from behind. They sneak up on you when you take your eyes off of them. And this is true on land. This is true on water. They're amazing swimmers. They leap up out of the water. They snatch people out of boats from behind. But if you watch them... If you stare them down, basically keeping your eyes on them, they never attack. It's only when you didn't know they were there, or you turned your back to them, where they were unseen, did they attack. The same thing applies to our spiritual lives. It's the unseen things that get you. Just because you don't see something does not mean that it doesn't exist. So here was the problem they had. They couldn't keep their eyes on the tigers at all times. Not at all times. It was impossible. So these crafty workers in the mangrove forests, they started wearing masks made to look like faces on the back of their heads. They're called back masks. For the past 18 months, no one wearing a back mask has been killed. 
Tigers have been seen following people wearing the mask, but they have not attacked. These back masks became their armor, their protection. Friends, it's the spiritual things that we don't see that get us. It's the exact same reason that we need to wear the armor of God. That's why this teaching is so important today. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Highlight when. When the day of evil comes. When that day that your attack comes, because battles are guaranteed. The spiritual forces of evil are going to attack you. You are here. You're in church. Satan opposes that. Paul's not writing this to the unchurched. Satan doesn't oppose that. What's to oppose? It's written for the people of the church because that's who the evil one opposes. Jesus faced battles. We're going to take hits in life. The Bible says if you put the armor on now, when that day comes, you'll be able to stand firm. Those hits that Satan throws at us, they won't defeat us. They won't damage us. They won't destroy us. We're going to be able to stand our ground. If you look at that scripture again, highlight put on We have to put it on and wear it. It's just like the back masks I was talking about. You physically get it and you put it on. All right, so what is this armor? What is this armor of God that Paul says that we must put on on in order to be victorious in our Christian walk, to be able to stand against evil? Go back to that Mamertinum prison. If you go into this prison, there's a staircase. You follow this staircase down into a room where Paul wrote Ephesians, where he was a prisoner. And picture this, if you will. Imagine this with me. That Paul's writing this letter with one hand. And the other hand, he's chained to a Roman soldier. And I imagine he's looking at that soldier. And he's seeing all the things that that soldier wears to be victorious in battle. And that becomes his picture for the Ephesians. For how they too can become victorious in battle. If you're going to win at anything, you need to wear the right uniform. Basketball team's not going to show up in scuba gear or a 100-meter freestylist in a football uniform. It just sinks straight to the bottom. So what's the right uniform for the battle of the Christian life? Here we go. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth Buckled around your waist. First piece of armor is our belt. 
And it is a belt made of truth, holding up and keeping in place all the other pieces of armor. I mean, naturally speaking, a belt is used to hold things in place. Spiritually, the belt of truth does the exact same thing. So what's truth? Truth is what God says. Truth is what God says. You know, whenever God has said anything about anyone or any subject, you can count on it. That's the truth. Truth is what God says. One of, one of Jesus' most common phrases was, I tell you the truth. He said it 78 times in the Gospels. <clears throat> truth is what God says. And truth is going to hold everything in your life in place. Where do we find the truth? We find it in the Bible. We find the truth in the Bible. Now, how does this truth protect us in this battle against Satan? This truth keeps us from being tripped up. You see, in Jesus' day, all the men, even the soldiers, would wear long tunics. We'd call them skirts or dresses today. A guy would lose his man card if he wore one. But if you try to run in a long dress, it trips you up. And I'm sure some of you ladies can attest to this. I was on my fourth date with my now wife. Loretta. She had a beautiful dress on, long dress. She just looked stunning. I take her out to eat to a nice restaurant, McDonald's. <laughs> we come back, we're heading to my house. It's pouring down rain. I get out, I go around, I open the door for her so she can get out. She gets out, she takes off running. She falls head first in that gigantic mud puddle. Poor thing. That's a true story, though. You get tripped up in a dress. So what these Roman soldiers, they knew this. What they would do is they would take this and they would tuck it up and they would tuck it under their belt so they would be able to be free and mobile. So they wouldn't get tripped up when they was in battle. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Let us strip off everything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. You see, in spiritual warfare, the things that trip us up, sins, temptations, they are a lie. You see, Satan dangles something in front of your nose. And he says, this is what it's going to do for you. And it may do some of that. I mean, it may make you feel good for a little while, but it's not going to fulfill your needs. He comes to Jesus in the desert. He says, if you do this, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He couldn't promise that. He didn't own any of the kingdoms of the world. He was flat out lying. 
again, Satan is a liar. The truth helps us to be able to see that. But we have to exchange the lies for the truth. Satan whispers to you, he says, this pill, this bottle, this porn, this relationship is going to make you happy. And God says in Matthew 5, verse 6, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. You exchange the lies for the truth. And this truth keeps you from being tripped up. But you've got to buckle it on. Man, you have to learn. You have to know the truth. And the more you read God's Word, the more this truth is going to be revealed to you. John 8, verse 31 says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you counter evil, you counter Satan with the truth. That's the first piece of armor, the belt of truth. Verse 14 goes on to say, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is not what you do, but what Christ does. It's not what you do, but what Christ did. Second Corinthians five, verse twenty one. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus exchanged our sin for His perfect righteousness. Righteousness doesn't come from what you do. It's what Christ did on the cross. But being righteous comes from accepting what Christ did. That He died on the cross for you. Romans 3, verse 22 says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So you have to believe it. Now, does that mean that all we have to do to live righteously is believe? Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Doesn't sound like we can just do whatever we want. I mean, are you living righteously? Do you honestly have a desire to honor God by the way that you're living your life? I mean, it's easy to say all the right things. It really is. It's so simple. It's so easy to hop on Facebook and to post some scriptures on there. But you honor God by the way you live your life. God knows your heart. 
Your heart guides your actions. From your heart comes your true motives. Man, things get ingrained in our hearts, our wants and our desires. We follow whatever has our heart. And your actions need to show that you are a follower of Christ. We have to believe. When you mess up, you ask for forgiveness. You repent from the wrong you're doing means you turn away from the sin that you're doing. I mean, the hardest part of everything I just said is turning away from that sin. And that's why we need this breastplate to cover our hearts. To try to keep these things out. Man, you need to fill your heart with the Word of God. You need to fill your heart with things that are positive. People that are positive. You want a heart that longs for God? Strive for that. You need to hunger for that. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So we got God's truth, the belt of truth, wrapped around our waist. and We have the breastplate of righteousness now protecting our heart. Verse 15 says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? It's sharing the good news of Christ. It's sharing the good news of Christ. Put the scripture back up and highlight feet fitted with readiness. You see, Paul's describing a battle-ready Christian. You put on your shoes, you keep them on, so that whenever that call comes, man, you're ready to go. The armor of God includes something to put on our feet because our feet are what carry us out into the world to share the good news. We are told by Jesus in Mark 16, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Romans 10, verse 14 How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What a great verse about witnessing. It's saying, look how beautiful it is when someone shares with another person the good news about Jesus Christ. Man, that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. You can't stress it enough. So important to read this. To share it, you kind of got to know something about it, right? Satan doesn't want you reading this. He wants you to be busy with other activities. Satan doesn't want you sharing this. 
But to take your stand against the enemy, you have to wear your armor, the gospel of peace, your shoes, and you go out and you share it. Verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here's a definition of faith. Belief in, devotion to, or trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. How can you have faith in something that you can't physically see or touch? Does that mean that it doesn't exist? can't see the wind, but I can feel it blowing across my face. I can see trees swaying in a big storm. I can't see God, but I can see acts of God. I can see lives that He's changed. I can see relationships that He has restored I have laid my hands upon someone needing a miracle, believing that God would do it, and it's happened. Miracles that only God can do. Friends, there's no healing power in these hands. I can't even play guitar like I used to because my hands are getting arthritic and I'm having a hard time holding the strings down on the frets. My hands are weak. But my faith is strong. So what is faith? Faith is trusting God. Faith is trusting God. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Man, your faith is a very important piece of your armor. It's your shield. You see, up until now, Paul's description of the armor of God has been limited to these items that we wear. I mean, we put on the belt... We put on the breastplate, we put on the shoes, and they kind of just hold themselves there. But the shield's different. See, Paul tells us that the shield is something that we must take up. Something that we are required to raise. Just strapping it to our arms is not going to do us any good if we don't make the effort to actually hold it aloft. And to actually use it. Highlight back in the scripture flaming arrows of the evil one. You see, Satan knows every single desire that is in your heart, he knows every thorn that is in your side, he knows what makes you tick. Every demon appears to have great aim, knowing exactly what to shoot 
at a certain Christian's way. You know, that person that struggles with lust, all of a sudden it may be a scene in a movie. It may be something that pops up on your computer screen. The alcoholic may get an arrow shot at him as he's driving home from work. He's had a busy day. He's stressed out. Pass a liquor store. The old favorite brand of alcohol flashing on the neon sign out front. Man, these, when these flaming arrows from the hit enemy, when they hit their target, it's your emotions. And it shoots you into a rage, unbelief, worry, and so forth. Man, these arrows come to do something vile and horrendous to our lives, to our minds, to our emotions. They come to hit you. They come to enrage you like a fire that is burning out of control. That's why it's flaming arrows. The Bible's saying your faith, your trust in God is your shield to protect you from these arrows. The Bible says that it extinguishes these flaming arrows. You know, one of the ways of battle back then was to actually have arrows dipped in a flammable liquid. That's where it comes from, flaming arrows. And in the battles of that day, what the Roman soldiers would do, they would have these oblong shields. And they had a wooden front to them. They would take this wooden shield, they would actually dip it in water. So when a flaming arrow came their way, it would stick into the wood and the water would extinguish it. It's an amazing picture that Paul's painting here for everybody. And Satan's always hurling these darts of fear. These worry and doubt, these things in our directions, but the only time that they can engulf us is if we let down our shield of faith. When we stop believing that God is the one that's in control. A great picture of this is in the Bible with Peter. Jesus challenged him to get out of the water. To get out on the water, to walk on the water, to get out of the boat. And when Peter focused on Jesus, and he focused on the faithfulness of Christ and the power of Christ, he was able to walk on the water. Incredible. But when he tried to focus on the circumstances, the storm, the waves, doubt crept in, and he sank. You see, there's so many things that are at work to try to destroy our faith in God. I mean, just the skepticism and doubts that we get every day from an unbelieving world. Satan tries to use that to shake your decision, to make you think, am I really doing the right thing? What is this all about? Hebrews 11, verse 16, no one can please God without faith. For whoever comes to God must have faith that God exists and rewards those who seek him. 
First John 5 verse 4 says every child of God is able to defeat the world. And we win the victory over the world by means of our faith. Highlight our faith. You see these Roman shields that I was just talking about? They were made in such a way that they would actually lock together with other people's shields. So in, in battle you would have this army of shields that would be attacking this enemy. We need to be able to lock our shields together. We're not in this alone. We need to encourage each other and fight with each other. You see, if a dart's thrown my way, someone else's faith can help me in that battle as well. That's the shield of faith. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. What is salvation? Salvation means to be saved or delivered. means to be saved or delivered. means to be rescued. You know, we've seen a lot of pictures of very powerful floods and somebody who falls in. Man, there's no way out for him. The water's so powerful. The water's rushing so fast the sides are slick there's no way no matter how strong they are there's no no matter how powerful of a swimmer that person is there is no way to get out there's no way to escape they need somebody to rescue them and the problem for all of us spiritually is that all of mankind's in that flood channel. Romans 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody standing on the bank to lend us a hand except for God. God decided to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to come down to this earth to stretch out His strong hand And say, take it. And he lifts us up. He lifts us up out of that flood channel. Only God is strong enough to do that. That is what salvation is. And the Bible says it's part of our spiritual armor. The helmet of salvation. A helmet protects the head. It's in our head that we contain the knowledge of what Christ has done for us. It's in our head that we made the decision to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's in our heads that we know what we have in Christ. It's in our heads that we know that we are saved. That our salvation is sealed. But it's also in our heads that Satan will attack and he will try to convince us otherwise. I don't know. 
I keep doing that same thing over and over again. I don't know. All these thoughts keep coming into my head. Maybe, maybe I don't have salvation. Maybe it didn't take. Or maybe God stripped it from me because I'm so bad. I just don't know. You see, Satan loves to attack what a Christian does and doesn't know. Putting on the helmet provides us with the assurance of salvation. The assurance of salvation is a factor of what you know and who you know. You see, Jesus says in John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So to possess the helmet of salvation, you need to know that you are saved. Notice I didn't say think that you are saved. I didn't say you need to hope that you are saved. You need to know that you are saved. You can't allow Satan to put doubt in your mind. You see, our minds are the battlegrounds of spiritual warfare. What we think determines what we believe, and what we believe determines how we live. You know that when they began to build the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, the work went very slow for a while. It wasn't that they were short on workers. It wasn't that they were short on money. They had plenty of both. The reason was that the men were scared to be working over those cold, icy waters of the San Francisco Bay. They were 476 feet in the air. They went slow because they were afraid of falling. In fact, 12 men did fall to their deaths. And with each one, the workers grew even more scared. And they worked even slower. So with each passing day, the job got further and further behind schedule. So finally, the contractor had the idea to lay a safety net below the bridge. And he ran it from one side of the bay all the way to the other. Underneath these workers. So that if they fell, it wouldn't matter. They would land on the safety net and they would be safe. Well, guess what? The work went pretty quick after that. The bridge was finished on time. Why did that make all the difference? Security. The assurance that if they fail, they would be caught. Remember, there's a safety net below you when you fall. 
the same hand that pulled you up and that saved you from the raging flood is the same hand that is going to catch you when you fall. Man, God loves us even though we all still mess up. Even though we all still sin. Don't let the lies of Satan get into your mind. Take up the helmet of salvation. Know that if you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you are saved. You are justified. You are safe and secure in the knowledge and the understanding of the assurance of salvation. Praise God for that. The last part of verse 17 says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Have you noticed that all the armor that we've talked about so far is for our defense? How are we supposed to attack? The offensive part of the battle is the sword. The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. Sword of the Spirit is the Bible. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Word of God, this Bible, is a weapon. It is our weapon. It's a weapon that works on you, and it's a weapon that works for you. Notice it says, sword of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit cuts into the deepest parts of our lives, revealing attitudes that need to change, revealing actions that we are doing that needs to change. But it's also how we attack the enemy. When Satan brings you temptation, you use the word of God to defeat that temptation. You stand strong and you attack with what is written. When Jesus faced temptation from Satan, the weapon he used to defeat him was the Bible. He quoted scripture back to him. He said, it is written. Learning to use the sword of the Spirit requires practice. You've got to practice. You've got to spend time reading the Bible. You've got to spend time studying your Bible. Verse 18 closes, and I kind of started with it earlier. It says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. God moves mountains and prayer moves God. You always have to be praying. It has to be a priority. You see, every piece of armor that we have talked about today hinges on the Bible and prayer. We're told to stand up. You've got to believe that. You've got to hunger for that. You've got to share it. You've got to trust in it. But then you've got to be able to use it. That is the armor of God. That's how you stand against the spiritual forces of evil. Did you notice that not a single piece of God's armor protects protects your back? Not any of it protects your back. We're told to stand up for God. Four times in that scripture we are called to stand. Not run from, not turn away from, not flee from, not cower down from. We are told to stand. But your choice to stand. Whose army are you going to fight for? Friends, nobody stands neutral. If you don't need the armor of God, then as of now, you've already made your choice. See, I feel God has called me to be very bold today. And the resistance that I've had in these last couple weeks before this teaching lets me know for sure been attacked about this then I've questioned in my mind it's tough to talk about these kind of things when you're evil demonic things talking about Satan these ain't something that we touch on every week here at church it can be scary stuff The Bible says that there's evil. The Bible says that there are demons. The Bible says that there's a devil. And the Bible says that there's a hell. A hell for people that never made that decision to follow Christ. Maybe they just kept putting it off. Or maybe they just refused their entire life. And their heart just kept getting hardened. Or maybe somebody's life was just cut short. And it was cut short before they ever finally decided to make that choice. Man, we are not guaranteed... A certain number of days. 
We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. Every day somebody gets a phone call. You can't let the opportunity keep passing you by. If you've never made that decision to give your life to Christ, what is stopping you? There's a hand that's reaching out to you. Man, let today be the day that you're able to break through some of that doubt. Let today be the day that maybe you can cast some of that fear aside. Reach up and grab that hand. Let today be day one of a whole new life. Let today be the day that your name is written in the book of life. As the scripture commands, let's all stand. If you've already given your life to God, use this prayer to just kind of commit to putting on this armor getting in the battle if you're unsure of your salvation or maybe you've never made that decision to follow Christ and you want to I just want you to pray these words silently in your heart spow our heads dear God I want to turn my life over to you right now. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask forgiveness of my sins. I believe you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. I may not understand everything right now, but I believe it. I commit my life to you from this day forward. I want to seek your direction and will for my life. I ask the Holy Spirit to come into my life and to guide me as I seek to honor you. And I seek to stand for you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, I would love for you to come forward to me when people's leaving. I've got a Bible I want to give you, your armor of God. We've got a prayer team that's going to be coming forward. If anybody needs prayer for anything, know you're always loved in this place. See you next week.